Hello, friends, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Dimmitt. Today's guest on the podcast is my buddy, Drew Ruana. Drew is an absolute bone crusher. Drew Ruana is a 20-year-old boulderer, sport climber, and competition climber who very recently emerged onto the outdoor bouldering scene and has quickly established himself as one of the strongest climbers in the world. And it seems like he's just getting started. (laughs) We talked about climbing Sleepwalker, Drew's first V16 that he sent back in January of this year. We talked about the significance of skin and conditions when climbing near your limit and some of the tactics Drew uses for optimizing them. We talked about Drew's training philosophy, some of his favorite exercises on rings, and some of the stories behind his effort to qualify for the Olympics and why he decided to transition away from competitions towards more outdoor climbing, and why he's excited to continue focusing on outdoor bouldering for the foreseeable future. Drew also sent me his training plan so I could add it to the show notes. Feel free to share it, and please do not hesitate to send us questions if anything is unclear. Uh, Maybe send them to me, and I'll compile a list and get clarification from Drew if needed. Uh, The training plan and links to all the photos and videos of the boulders and routes we mentioned are over at thenuggetclimbing.com, and there's a contact page there where you can reach me. I also link to all the products and the tools Drew talked about for those who are interested in that. This episode was recorded remotely, and the sound quality isn't perfect, but we did the best we could given the circumstances. I also forgot a question that I had wanted to ask Drew, and we ended up doing a second follow-up call to talk about his campusing routine and why he thinks campusing boulder problems in the gym helps his climbing. Unfortunately, the audio on that got kind of screwed up. I have no idea what happened. We used the exact same setup, and there was a bunch of white noise in the background that I could not get rid of. But the content is really interesting, and it is definitely listenable. So I decided to attach that to the end of this interview after the music. So if you are interested in hearing Drew talk about his campusing and how he integrates that into his climbing, you can find that as a little bonus at the very end of the episode. Drew is an amazing kid. I met him when he was 13 years old, and he's always had a great head on his shoulders. I really respect him a lot, and I am excited to see what he does in the future. He's on an absolute rampage. Great things ahead for this guy in climbing and probably outside of climbing as well. I appreciate you guys. Stay safe out there, and please enjoy this conversation with Drew Ruana. Right on, man. You ready to go? Yeah. Feeling good? Cool. Yeah. Hi, Drew. What's up, Steven? How's it going? Hey, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. Appreciate you making the time. I know this is an interesting, tricky situation here, weird circumstances, but I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, of course. So you're in Salt Lake right now. And yes, it sounds like you took a rest day. It sounds like you've been kind of doing some basic training at home and stuff, but today was a rest day. So w- yeah. I'm curious, what does a day in the life of Drew Ruana look like on a rest day during quarantine? Uh, kind of same as everyone else. Like I'll feel bad for myself and make myself go on a run or something like that because <laughs> I hate sitting down doing nothing. But uh, uh-huh. besides that, 
like there's really not much going on like everybody's <laughs> kind of in the same boat like i've been uh trying to catch up on a bunch of different netflix shows so right now i'm watching game of thrones it's oh you're awesome. watching game of thrones have you watched it before no never first oh. time for me all right where are you at I'm uh, like halfway through season six. <laughs> oh, you're getting, are getting pretty intense. Yeah. Nice, nice. Are you the type of person that can't help but binge it? Or are you? Oh yeah, I'm yeah, a binge watcher. Full on binge I, like, mode. I don't like watching new shows because if I find something I like, I'll just sit in my room, turn off the lights, and just watch every episode until it's <laughs> over. I just can't help myself. <laughs> so, got you. Game of Thrones has been testing me pretty hard recently. Nice. I'm <laughs> glad you found something to keep yourself entertained. Uh, yeah, I'll keep me busy for another day. <laughs> does going on a run count as a rest day? Uh, yeah. Okay. Anytime I don't use my fingers, it counts as like a rest day. Nice. <laughs> nice. So. I like that. Cool. Well, I would love to talk about, obviously, bouldering, but specifically, you and I ran into each other in Bishop. This is back in February, and yeah, I was out there for February, a while. and. Yeah, you had a really brief trip there, and it was a little bit tragic. Like, you came out, and you had a bunch of stuff, I'm sure, that you wanted to do. One of the things on your list was goldfish trombone. Yeah. I think it was, like, the last thing that you haven't done in the Tablelands. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, you know, I was up there in the Happies that day, and within about an hour of you showing up, um, I go up there to kind of just, like, hang out, and you had already sussed it all out, figured out the moves, and you had this amazing go, and you fell on... You basically did it, fell on the very last move, and... Yeah, that was that was a bit tragic. Tore, like, the most gnarly flapper I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's definitely the worst skin injury I've ever personally had. Like, for the listeners, entire... it was like... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, the entire month of February, I did, like, put a Band-Aid over it and then tape over it it was it was so bad you I've basically anything like that you, you tore a full pad flapper and then there was a blood blister beneath the flapper that like circumnavigated your entire finger uh-huh. i don't think uh, i've seen anything I'm like that looking. yeah it's that's never happened to me before i don't even know how that happened like it was so freak i was just looking at my finger and all of a sudden it kind of just realized that my climbing was just not going to be that good for the next month because of my skin uh yeah that was uh, you watched me lance that that was uh yeah, that was the process that's pretty painful a lot of swear words involved yeah, yeah drew was doing surgery in the van with a lancet and a, I yeah. know, a box cutter blade and all sorts of stuff oh my god it literally felt like i was just cutting off my entire finger <laughs> yeah if i go my entire life without getting a skin injury that bad i'd consider it excessive well it was pretty fascinating and just in that brief hour that i got to witness it was really interesting to observe your process and i'd love to to dig into that a bit um the one of the one of the things that really stood out to me with that was um at one point you were talking about we were talking about the you know all the amazing recent sends that you've had you know sleepwalker and some of these other v15s you've done recently and you kind of said with the really, really hard climbing that's right at your limit like that, it basically comes down to skin and conditions. Uh-huh. And it was it was interesting to observe a number of the tools and the tactics that you've kind of implemented with that. Tell me about your Milwaukee fan. Oh, my God. That thing is the best purchase I've ever made in my life. <laughs> uh, I was in Red Rocks in December. It was pretty hot. And I just kept on, like greasing off of holds that i knew i like should be able to hold and uh earlier in november when i'd also been in red rocks my friend zach gala had a 
fan, and that was pretty game changer. So the first day that it was too hot in December, I just went to Home Depot and bought the most powerful fan I could find. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this thing's got like eight hours of battery life on like full power. Like I charge it like once a week, and it's like yeah, it just lasts. It's awesome. Uh-huh. I use it to like cool off the holds right before like serious tries, and I use it to like also cool off my hands so I sweat less. Yeah. And it makes such a big difference. It kind of like simulates colder weather for like one very brief try on sandstone, especially in granite. It just works wonders. Like right before I did sleepwalker, I think I held the fan on the crux hold for about two minutes without moving it. And that was interesting so to me. It that much better. Yeah. You don't just use it on your hands. You actually hold it up against the holds as well. Yeah. Yeah. It'll knock off like a little bit of excess rock, like just give the rock like that much more friction. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you're climbing at your limit, it's a game of like, not even 1%. It's a game of like 0.1%. Mm-hmm. Like everything has to just go absolutely perfectly. And that means your like skin, which is like, you know, the contacts between you and the wall, your skin has to be really good. And the conditions have to be like good for climbing. Like, I don't think as many people realize like how important that is for like hard sending. Hmm. By hard sending, I mean like send, like near your Right. And I mean, I've seen fans at the crag before, you know, I've seen a lot of people have these little battery powered fans that are maybe, you know, yeah. six inches in diameter, things like that. But this Milwaukee fan that you have, it's about the size of a backpack. Yeah, dude, it weighs like 15 pounds. Like a sport like, climbing that pack. That thing goes everywhere. Yeah, it goes everywhere with me. <laughs> you hiked up with a bunch of crash pads and that thing in your hand. I was like, what is going on? Like, this is, <laughs> yeah. This is a new game I haven't played before. Yeah, I know. I always get like weird looks from people. They're like, "Why do you have a fan?" But now it's like starting to become like not necessarily more accepted, but more like common. Uh-huh. Like more people are starting to realize that oh, like fans are like an artificial tool that you can use to get you up the wall. Yeah, it's, like better shoes and better chalk and stuff like that. Yeah, portable send conditions. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So another thing that was interesting is uh, I've never done so many night sessions as I did on that trip. It was pretty warm. It was late February, but it was already getting pretty warm. And so we would wait until 8 or 9 p.m. and and then head out there. Um, Tell me about your light setup. That was really cool to see. Uh, I just bought a bunch of lights on Amazon, kind of like the cheapest but also best looking ones I could find, Uh you know. I'll find some and put them in the show notes for people for a reference, but just like some powerful LED lights that kind of stand up. Yeah, exactly. The ones you can get on Amazon for like 10 or 15 bucks a pair. Uh-huh. Uh, like super, super easy. They just charge with like a micro USB. And yeah, I have like six of those and I just bring them all out when I go night session and I just light up like an entire canyon. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> nice. Uh, anything else? Anything else you've kind of come across in the last six months as you've been kind of breaking out into harder boulders? Anything for optimizing either skin um, or conditions? There's a, so like Rhino Skin Solutions, they have like a whole lot of good stuff for skin. I have like a kit that I bring in a, like a, a chalk bucket. I don't, I don't have a chalk bucket for chalk. I have a chalk bucket that I keep a bunch of skin stuff in. (laughs) Yeah. I have, like, just this old chalk bag that's, like, six years old that I just love. I'm, like, never going to get rid of it. It's, like, Uh just covered in, like, a bunch of different, like, blood stains and stuff. Uh That's, like, my chalk bag. And I have, like, a brand new nice chalk bucket, you know. And I just have never used it for, like, climbing. Uh But I use that. uh, I just keep a bunch of different skin products in there. So I have stuff that I use, like, when I'm immediately done climbing to, like, start the repair process. 
Okay. I have like different dry sprays that I use like use for my hand to like you know stop sweating. I got like files stuff like that. I just carry it all around with me with this little chalk bucket. It's pretty. It's pretty swell. <laughs> That's awesome. But it's just kind of everything. Like I have like really bad skin to begin with. Like, does it sweat a lot? It's not that it sweats a lot. Uh, it's just really weak. Like it, it tears super easily. Hmm. Like I split super easily. Easily, I like sweat through the chalk really easily. So kind of all these things just help like that much more. Mm-hmm. One thing I found for myself because I can relate to that with the skin. I feel like my skin always sucks, and I've been using the dry spray especially in warmer temps. One thing I find though, is that if I use that to the point where my skin feels dry and kind of hard and pretty good, I feel like a couple days later, it just hasn't healed the same way that it normally would. And it starts to, I don't know, it's like compounding damage that doesn't really recover yeah. like normal. How do you, how do you deal with something like that? Uh, I just use clone skin. It okay. works really well for me. Okay. And then I've kind of just accepted the fact that I'm never going to have good skin. So <laughs> I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't really care at this point. Just like, get stronger. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing I can really do. Okay. Or just, like, rest more days in a row. But, you know, after a certain point, I don't want to, like, sit on the couch for, like, five days waiting for a split to heal. Like, I'll just tape it and go out anyway mm-hmm. and just complain. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rather do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's segue with that. So you've been absolutely crushing lately congratulations thanks man <laughs> yeah it's sleepwalker your first v16 um i think when did you do your first v15 i remember you telling me a crazy statistic uh, like november yeah november and how many have you done v15s and harder since november like seven or eight <laughs> that's, that's so cool that's amazing yeah. man i'm like i'm like close on like a bunch of other ones too yeah uh, like you know if there had been different circumstances like that number might be closer to like you know 12 to 13 right now yeah it seems like you weren't but, slowing down at all um yeah up until this coronavirus yeah unfortunately can't stay at the top of the game now but yeah well that's just it's fine it's been a really fun year so far so yeah i'd love to get to what you're excited about most after the coronavirus but let's wait on that for now i would love to hear first can you tell me what a day in the life looked like when you were projecting sleepwalker um Pretty simple. Like, I had a couple friends that I was out there with, Nathan Williams, Cameron Hurst, and Brooke Rabbit, too. So we'd all just wake up in the morning, I'd eat my bowl of oatmeal, <laughs> we'd, like, go outside, and be, you know, we'd go to, like, Brooke and Cameron's project first, and then, like, later in the day when the temps got a little bit better, Nathan and I would go try Sleepwalker. He was getting, like, really close as well. Mm. Um, but then they left for a bit, and then so it was, like, just me by myself for, like, a few sessions, like, the last three sessions. And then, yeah, it was just super simple. I'd just wake up, go try that thing, chill, like, in no, no particular order. Sometimes we went really early in the morning for better attempts, and then we'd just rest the rest of the day. Sometimes we'd go at night, you know, rest the entire day before that. Kind of just depend what, like, the immediate forecast looked like, so we kind of would try and guess what time of the day would be would be best for it okay were you just resting and trying that or were you mixing in other days doing other stuff um the first few days that i was trying sleepwalker i was also trying the nest okay Um, i hadn't even actually planned on trying sleepwalker too much when i got to red rocks like the nest was my main objective and And for listeners the nest is a v15 yeah a different v15 Mm -hmm. uh super classic it's really really beautiful line um but with that one, I like like I said, my skin is really bad. 
and I had to tape my right hand pointer finger like every single day until the day I sent just because I had this really bad split that wasn't healing because I wasn't resting. <laughs> and because of that, like I just like physically could not do the move with tape on my finger. Like I needed to basically wait for my finger to heal. And so once I kind of like had that realization, I was like, whatever, I'll just go try Sleepwalker. Like it's a, it's a cool line. Like it's hard, whatever. Like no way I'm going to send it. Like it's too hard for me. <laughs> and then I just started trying it. And what was nice is I could try that thing with tape. So at least I was like, all right, like I, I don't have to like sit on a couch and just wait for my skin to heal. Like I can like actively still climb and wait for it to recover. Okay. And then kind of as the days went on, I was like, oh man, like I could actually do this ball there. Like what the heck? Like I did not think I was going to get like as close as this, like this fast. Uh-huh. And then, uh, yeah, I like did that boulder after eight days and then rested a day finally my skin like i didn't need to tape anymore and then i just did the next like the next day as well oh man that's amazing <laughs> yeah it was like probably the best two days of my life like in a row it was, it was a dream it was crazy oh my gosh that is so cool how long did that feeling last uh about a week probably and then i just wanted more i was uh-huh. like all right time to do some more boulders that's pretty good i mean i asked because it's so funny with climbers right it's like we'll put months and months into these things or even seasons and then you do the thing and like you're so stoked and then like two days yeah. later you're like okay on to the next you know or like an hour <laughs> yeah, later you're thing. like all right well start the process it's like over you already again. yeah it's like the feeling of topping out it's like a drug and then just as soon as it wears off you just need another hit like <laughs> crazy but a week's pretty so good <laughs> that's a pretty strong yeah. hit <laughs> yeah dude that's a good one i was like i was like oh, i don't even need to climb for a week like i'm so psyched and then like yeah a couple days later i was like all right we gotta find another project <laughs> i'm psyched again i need to send something again <laughs> so another thing that was really surprising just kind of hanging out with you and bishop and i'm curious if this is what happened on sleepwalker but you weren't really warming up on other boulders all that much you you kind of uh, just hiked up there and you had like a hangboard thing and you weren't really climbing as your warm-up and you were just trying the project can you tell me yeah. how you think about that yeah i like don't really ever warm up on boulders anymore boulders that i try like they'll have moves that are like easier on them like you know when you get on v15 like not every single move is gonna usually be like nail biter sure there's like easier moves than others but, um, yeah, it's just easier for me because I, like, know exactly what it takes to get my fingers warm. And then I just slowly start, like, working the moves until I feel good. And then, yeah, I just that's what I've been doing, like, pretty much the entire year now. Okay. And is that primarily to, going back to the skin thing, is that just to not risk losing skin unnecessarily? Uh, not really that. More just, like, I am super impatient. And as soon as I hike <laughs> up, I immediately want to try the project. Okay. And then I just figured out the most efficient way to, like, get warmed up. So, so what is your uh, what does your warm up process look like? You had a bunch of bands and stuff too. I'd love to just hear you yeah. kind of talk through your your uh, sequence. Um, so I just do like basic band work, nothing special, just like shoulder raises, like stuff that you see in the gym. Like mm-hmm. usually only takes me like five minutes. And I have a portable hangboard, and I usually just sit down on the ground and just pull on the edges until my fingers feel strong. And then I just slowly start like pulling onto the wall, and like I start with the easiest moves, and then start trying the harder moves on the project and then you know 30 minutes later i'm like trying the moves on the project okay it's pretty simple yeah nothing super excessive um so you just have a sling with the fingerboard looped over your feet yeah pretty much okay are you doing any like 
contractions with your fingers or just isometric pulls or uh a little bit like i don't really have anything written down that i do i just kind of like and sometimes i'll like you know start pulling and like pretty much instantly i can tell that i like already feel super good okay and so sometimes it takes me like 30 minutes to like get my fingers like ready before i start climbing and other times it's like 30 seconds wow yeah it's kind of just like learning to for me at least i just learned to like kind of listen to my body and figure out like when it's time to like start climbing hard huh cool i would not recommend other people just hopping on their project after 30 seconds though it doesn't always work for me so (laughs) definitely figure out the best warm-up that works for you yeah right on uh so i'm curious about projecting stuff that hard at your limit how common is it for you to have two projects like you had with sleepwalker in the nest versus just one at a time uh really common like i'll have like multiple projects um especially like near my home and stuff like that just because there's so much stuff to try okay uh, on trips i'll usually just focus on like one boulder or two boulders um, okay. but when i'm like home then it's just like i can try whatever i want whenever i want do you like to bounce around and keep things kind of fresh uh yeah when i start getting like really close to something then i like kind of hone in on it okay just focus on that one boulder uh-huh. um but otherwise like i like having a lot of different projects it makes it easy to like kind of continue training almost when you're outside mm. so you like do different moves you don't just do like the same six moves over and over and over totally um, so it's it's nice to have like different projects but on a trip it gets way too easy to get like sucked into too many different projects at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, before you know it, you like might not send any of them. So got you trips. Yeah. For me, at least trips, it's definitely better to like kind of target one or two boulders, but otherwise I'm like just trying kind of everything I can. Okay. And then what about volume? There was this great video that came out recently and I'll link to it in the show notes. I think it was like three days in Joe's was the name of yeah, the video. Yeah. Three days in Joe's. And it was you, I think you climbed, you'll have to fact check this because I don't have it in front of me. It was like 18 boulders. Yeah, 18 double digits. In double three digits days. in three days. It was bananas. It's just like you just crushing everything in Joe's in three days. How, how do you think about that? Is that? Do you mix that in intentionally or do you just have you know certain trips where you're like, hey, I don't really feel like being at my limit right now. I just want to do a bunch of climbing. Yeah, sometimes it's... Uh it can kind of be like i don't necessarily go out of my way to like have days like those but in that case i've had like other days where i've done like three or four separate v13s in the same day mm-hmm. and it's mainly just because there's like you know don't take this the wrong way i'm not trying to sound like a dick at all um, <laughs> but like there's sometimes there's not stuff like hard enough you know so i'm like okay well i'll just start at like the hardest thing i can find and just kind of work around that uh-huh. and so like now if it, like if it's my style, like I can do like V14 in like a few minutes if it's my style. Uh-huh. So, you know, it, it saves like a whole lot of energy to like allow me to keep climbing for the rest of the day. God, Drew, I know that I understand and it's still blowing my mind. Like I've seen <laughs> you do it and it's still blowing my mind to hear you say that. <laughs> That's <laughs> so cool though. That's awesome. It took a long time to get here. Yeah, but... totally. No, I've seen, I mean, I think I met you for the first time when you were 13 years old. Probably. And you'd already been climbing way longer than I had at the time. I think I'm 10 years older than you. And yeah. you've been busting your ass as hard as one possibly can ever since. So, yeah, you've definitely you've definitely worked for it. Yeah, thanks, man. One more thing I want to get to with your bouldering approach, because this one was just funny to me. And I think you said you learned this from, was it Griffin? 
It was Griffin, yeah. The, okay, tell me about the Mike and Ikes. Dude, the Mike and Ikes. <laughs> Man, I like, I don't know if it's placebo or something, but uh, I learned this from Griffin Whiteside. And for those of you who don't know, Griffin Whiteside is one of the strongest people, if not the strongest in the country right now, slash the planet. The dude is an absolute freak. But um, I was shocked when you told me he, some of what he's done. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. He's super under the radar. Yeah. Um, you know, he just climbs only for himself. Like I respect that a lot. It's super awesome. Um, but he was telling me that he uh, he gets like a small box of like Mike and Ike's. Mm-hmm. He just brings that out to the cliff. You know, it could be like Sour Patch Kids, like you know, any sort of like candy. <laughs> but he'll eat like one or two pieces, like in between tries. Uh-huh. And I started doing that, and uh, I don't know if it's causation or correlation, but <laughs> that was when I had like some of the best weeks of climbing of my life. So. Oh my gosh! Just something to think about. <laughs> That's amazing. The first, yeah, the first time I started just eating candy when I had the cliff, I started climbing harder. So <laughs> That's so funny. I want to throw this out there for listeners. I actually just did an episode with Katie Lambert, and uh, she's a she's got a master's in nutrition, and she actually spoke to that. It was kind of interesting, you know. And she she did kind of say like. You know, I'm sure it's like beneficial. Like, like oh yeah, overall, little, you know, a little bit of sugar. Totally. Like, don't make that a regular thing. And you know, most days have normal food at the crag. But if you need the rocket fuel to really peak for something, you know, once in a while. So every single day. <laughs> <laughs> Drew's just running off rocket fuel. <laughs> every day, man. Can't get enough of it. <laughs> awesome. So again, you've um, you've been absolutely crushing lately. Of course, I was fascinated with what you've been up to with training. I think every time I see you, you know, every like year or so at Smith over the years, I bug you about your training. I just like want to know what Drew's up to now. And this time it was really, really different. I hadn't heard you talk about anything like this really with your training. Can you kind of break down what your what your current training philosophy is in the last like couple of years? Uh, I mean, I don't have anything like written down like specifically. I just bust my ass as hard as I can pretty much every single day I walk into the gym. Yeah. Like, I mean, I really, that's what I'm getting at is really like your, yeah. your mindset around it and just like the philosophy of your approach. I thought it was really, really interesting. Yeah. Well, I just, I really like seeing like personal improvement and the flip side of that is I like hate seeing like negative progress. So I'll, I'll do anything it takes to like keep getting stronger. <laughs> and after a certain point, it, kind of gets really hard to like keep getting stronger yeah uh, but recently and by recently i'm like i haven't really been training too much since i've been climbing outside like you can't really do both effectively like, you can either train really hard and get stronger or you can perform outside hmm. uh, it's you can't do both at the same time so do you but, mean um, like back as far as like november yeah this is kind of more like uh september october november okay um, so i was i was still competing in the world cups uh like through October. So I still have to like train for those. Okay. I just like, I do like my normal climbing stuff, like nothing special. And then just I've been doing like, session. yeah, just pretty much just bouldering session. Like I'll try a bunch of hard climbs. Like sometimes I'll try and like, you know, do double laps on like hard boulders. I like circuit walls a lot. Cause you can make pretty interesting moves there. You can like kind of fine tune like certain moves that might be weaknesses for you. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like that, there's nothing really special. And then when I like also spend like a whole lot of time in the weight room doing like front levers, like one arm pull ups, like, yeah, typical stuff. So nothing really like special. I just think it's like 
purely effort level that kind of like determines how strong you're gonna get mm-hmm. like there's no there's no magic workout that'll like you know make you really strong or like bump you up like another v grade but if you like you know bust your ass till you're about to throw up if you do that enough like every single day soon enough it becomes your norm and you're just giving 100 percent without realizing it every single time you walk in the gym oh wow and so that's like i don't know it's worked for me like you know i've been training for my entire life pretty much like i joined a climbing team when i was eight years old um started competing when i was eight and then so i just learned how to like you know push really really hard to you know keep improving mm-hmm. one thing i would throw out with that i think as an observation just for listeners to consider you know as you just said you have been training your whole life and i kind of can't help but wonder if like all that training has kind of built up your resilience and your capacity to be able to train the way that you have. Oh, it absolutely has. Yeah. Um, like the, the training plan that I have now, a lot of people were asking me for it like earlier this year Mm -hmm. and for all you guys out there, if you want to just send me a DM, I have it written down, like I'll, I'll send it your way, but it is like, it kicks my ass and (laughs) I'll add it to the show notes if that works for you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I'll I'll send it. Um, but yeah, this, this workout is, I mean, I figured it out that it works really well for me. Like, I didn't pull it from anything online. This is just, like, a collection of things that I've found makes me stronger. And then I just do it until I feel like I'm about to yak, and then I call it a day. (laughs) (laughs) It makes, it kicks my butt, so it's probably pretty hard. (laughs) And I think, yeah, I mean, you just spoke to, like, front levers and um, pull-ups. And I remember you saying that you were doing a lot of rings. Yeah, a whole lot of rings. What are a couple of your favorite exercises that you're doing with rings? Uh, I like doing flies. Flies. Um, so basically, you put your feet on the ground. Rings are just above the ground. And then you stretch your arms out on either side of you until you're basically in a T position. Your chest is right above the ground. Mm-hmm. You just hold the tension there. So your body's planked um, and you're holding much, your arms yeah. out straight to the sides. Yeah. So those are really good for kind of developing compression muscles. Um, if they get too easy, just start adding weight onto your back until they get hard again. Um, <laughs> So that's that's kind of what I started doing. But those are really good for you. Uh-huh. Doing, like, uh, extensions or whatever. Like, I don't really know if there's, like, an actual name for it. But kind of the same as flies, like, feet on the ground. But instead of putting your arms out on the side, you bring them, like, straight in front of you, kind of like an ab roller. Okay. Um, I, I think maybe I've heard those, those called Supermans. Supermans, yeah. Like, I, I don't know the actual, like, name for it. doesn't really matter. But, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, those are really good as well. Same deal. If they get too easy, just start adding weight or drop one of the arms and do them with one arm. Oh, man. Yeah, those are, those are, you, are, doing, that are you doing those with one arm? Yeah. Oh, dude. Burly. So that's a, yeah, sets so 10 or so and I'm fit. <laughs> I can't. I, if I tried that right now, I'd break my shoulder. But <laughs> that's because I haven't been in the gym for uh-huh. multiple months. That is wild. <laughs> yeah. I cool. mean, you gotta find stuff that'll make you stronger. Yeah. Right. Stuff that'll break you. And right then on. just in turn break the workout. <laughs> I love that. Okay. And then another thing that was really interesting with that, I was kind of picking your brain, like, like what about variety? But it sounds like you're kind of doing that same approach, that same workout every time you go in the gym. Yeah. That's just what I found out works best for me. I have okay. like a couple alternate days, like, I don't only isolate certain muscle groups. Like, I make sure to balance everything out. If you only train your chest, you might develop issues in your, like, back. So mm-hmm. I, I, like, try and take an approach that, like, kind of focuses on, like, all the separate muscle groups. 
but kind of targeting ones that I need the most. Okay. And then obviously like uh, front levers, one arm pull-ups, like that sort of stuff, kind of like directly translates to climbing. And so I kind of focus on those a lot because you, know, you can never be too strong. Okay. Are you just kind of like listening to your body each day to decide what you want to do that day? Uh, not really. I usually have like an A day and a B day for workouts. And so I'll do like A day and then I won't do an A day again until I do a B day. Okay. Got it. Just to like make sure I get everything balanced out. So like sometimes, you know, I'll go like a little too hard or like maybe I won't sleep super well. Or maybe I get like a little bit sick or under the weather and then I feel like really bad for like the next two days, like just super sore. Mm-hmm. So it's like not really smart to like hit the same muscle groups again. Cause like doing workouts, like the stuff I'll share with you guys could injure you if you're like not prepared for it. So it's, it's really good to like work out as hard as you can, but it's also more important to rest as well as you can. Mm-hmm. All the strength comes from recovery, not from the actual workouts. So totally anything you've done to try to level up your recovery or to improve your recovery in the last couple of years? Uh, I've been, so I wouldn't say that I had like a bad diet when I was younger, but you know, when you're like 17, you can kind of eat and get away with. Yeah. Mine uh, was terrible. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't really care too much what I ate when I was 17. Like, you know, I'd get some donuts and stuff whenever I felt like it, like really been trying to like clean up my eating and sleeping. And that's made like the biggest difference. Okay. Like any refined sugar, like just trying to eat like as healthy as possible, like every single meal, making sure to get like enough, like leafy and spinach and stuff like that is really important. I think making sure you hit your like protein target is really important because otherwise you just might not recover well enough. You'll stay sore or worst case you could, get injured if you're working out super hard and not recovering well like i always have the same protein shake like after a workout like i try and go to bed around the same time and wake up at the same time every single day just so i'm in like a habit uh-huh. kind of the the more like not necessarily rigid that structure is but like kind of the more i can stick to it like the better i just feel so if i can like get really into like a workout cycle and i get like my nutrition and recovery like on point then like i don't really get sore the next day like eating and sleep is way more important than i'd like to admit <laughs> but yeah how many grams of protein do you shoot for in a day uh around like one gram per pound of body weight works best for me one gram per pound of body weight yeah maybe a little bit more like 1.1 1. 1. 1, 1.2 like okay. i eat usually anywhere from like I don't count super carefully, but every day I get around uh, 110 to 150 grams of protein. Okay. Do you have any favorite sources? I just use Fizz Advantage products. I'm an athlete for them. They make great stuff, so okay, they keep me stocked up, and I just go through it. Okay, so it's a lot of a lot of that from powders. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So not very much refined sugar, except for Mike and Ike's. Yeah, except for Mike and Ike's. And I- nice man cool thanks for sharing that yeah so um as we kind of touched on earlier you've been you've been climbing forever you've been training since you were like eight i've always bugged you about your training and it's been really interesting to kind of observe some of the shifts over the years i remember at one point you were really into deadlifting and i remember at one point your dad was like telling me how much you were deadlifting and i was all stoked because i was into deadlifting and then i asked you about it and you're like ah i've moved on i only bench now 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds like sounds like sixteen year old Drew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. It was, it's interesting to me. I guess my question would be, you know, you've done a lot of different training over the years. You've seen success from certain exercises. You've, I'm sure you've, you're smart and you can recognize that like some of that stuff probably has, like you said earlier, has allowed you to has given you the resilience and kind of like created the foundation for you to train really hard now. Are there any exercises and stuff you've done in the past that you plan to continue long-term or any that you feel are like kind of the most important for you to, to have good longevity and to kind of stay healthy? Kind of everything that I mentioned before is like part of like my long-term training earlier when I was younger, like 16 or 17, I was not super physically strong. Like I was really strong tiny i knew how to rock climb really well i was just nowhere near as like physically developed just like other kids my age and so my coach told me that i needed to get strong and i needed to hit the weight room okay so for like for about a two years i just i probably worked out in the weight room more than i actually climbed Um, wow just kind of like building up all these underdeveloped muscles in like my chest and shoulders and back and I think that, like, I don't know if I'm going to do, like, another cycle like that in the future because I don't think I really need to. Okay. Uh, but doing, like, a heavy cycle in the gym in order to, like, kind of make your body, like, more well-rounded, you, like, feel like now my shoulders and chest and stuff like that, like, I'm not as likely to get injured just through workouts like that. And a whole lot of climbers don't have a background in weightlifting. They only have a background in, like, climbing and doing the only exercises, which is good but it can also like lead to injury if you have any mus- muscular imbalances so i think it i think like every climber that like training in the gym should do like a cycle of like bench pressing and deadlifting and stuff like that just to kind of develop all the muscles in the upper body and that way it makes that yeah, just makes it way easier to get stronger and you're way less likely to get injured cool at least in my experience do you do any kind of um strength assessments ever to kind of check in on that sort of stuff and reassess what you need uh not really no okay i kind of just go in the gym and figure out what i need to do cool and then do it <laughs> nice <laughs> all right um i would love to transition a little bit i would love to talk to you about your relationship with climbing and how that's evolved over the years how old were you when you started climbing Oh man, I think I was like three years old or something. Oh, okay. I was I was really really young. And you started the uh, team when you were eight. Yeah, my dad just took me down to Smith Rock a lot when I was three years old. Okay. He just started putting me on like you know the five threes, the five fours, super easy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so I just started like you know we'd go fishing and like throw rocks or stuff like that. Just you know things that three year old kid loves to do. Yeah. And so I just started associating like that stuff with climbing oh interesting kind of yeah so that's what my dad did so we like when i started i do like maybe one route the entire weekend like he'd try his projects with his buddies and then he'd like yeah put a rope up on just like the easiest possible thing you could find Mm -hmm. and then uh just kind of throw me up on it and like i don't even know if i did much climbing back then i'm pretty sure he just pulled me up the entire wall (laughs) on top rope Uh but I liked it. You know, I liked kind of the idea of climbing back then just because I associated it with, like, really fun times. Do you think – how intentional was that on his part, you think? I'm, I'm sure it was 100% intentional. Uh-huh. He, wanted, he wanted me to start climbing. Yeah. And he was just doing the thing that he knew was going to work. Yeah, that's yeah. really smart. 
Yeah. I mean, when I was six years old, there was this five, six called like dancer, I think at Smith. And he told me if I got to the top, I could keep the quick draws on it. <laughs> and so I was so psyched, man. I like, man, I don't, I don't think I've ever tried that hard in my life. Oh like, my gosh. I got to the top and I was like, yes, these five brand new shiny quick draws are mine. Oh my god! like, you know, walk around the cliff, like telling everyone like, I'll get my new quick draws. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, and then after that, dude, after I got those quick draws, man, I was so psyched. It's like all I wanted to do was rock climb. Wow. And then, yeah, joined the team when I was eight years old, and kind of here we are now. (laughs) Were there any lulls in that period? I'm curious, because for me, I mean, I I haven't really, I don't know if I've really stuck to anything that I did as as a kid at that age, you know? Like, I still do some of the stuff I did with my family, you know, backpacking and and some of the other activities, but um, I didn't start climbing till I was 18. And I kind of think, at least for myself, that's part of why I love it so much. Like I can kind of remember being a V zero climber and like my entire progression. And I think that makes mm-hmm. me appreciate it even more. But I'm curious for you, I mean, it's easy for me to imagine that there must've been moments when you felt uh, pressure from either your parents or coaches or just from kind of being in the system and going through the motions with the team. Were there ever kind of lulls where you were like, what the hell am I doing here? Or just feeling like you were just kind of going along with it? Uh, Interestingly enough, there weren't really any outside sources of pressure. Like, my mom, like, she didn't really care too much about my climbing until I was, like, nine or ten. Like, when I started competing, then she was like, oh, he's, like, serious about it. Hmm. And my dad never wanted to push me to the point where I didn't want to climb. So he was always like, like, if you do this training camp, you know, well, but like you know i'm not gonna sign you up for it like you have to come to me and ask me to send you that Hmm. sort of thing and that's cool so because of that like yeah all the all the pressure was just pressure i like put on myself my dad likes to tell the story about me when i was like nine or something i was trying this like 512 and i was just like having a full-blown tantrum because i like couldn't figure out a move in the middle (laughs) and couple hikers like walk by and they're like oh my god like that dad is so mean he's torturing his kid like he's making his kid climb which is like kind of the obvious thing that looks like you know crying kid on the wall like uh-huh. you know dad like bling and sure. uh, yeah sure enough, like my dad could hear them and he's like getting pissed and so he's like hey drew you want to come down and i just like threw tears and screaming like no i want to finish this move up. <laughs> no. so like yeah there's no like no pressure from like family or team everything just came from myself like i put way too much pressure on myself from a young age huh i will say though when i was like i said i was like really small and shrimpy growing up competition climbing in the circuit for boulderings actually was like setters have like a really hard time like balancing out like the different height categories especially like in the younger kids yeah sure at that young age the range is super huge between kids exactly and so because of that so many years in a row like i just get so fucked over like <laughs> yeah i was second year i went into finals in a like first or second place I was, like, one of the only people to do the first boulder, so I was, like, super psyched. I was having a really good comp. And the second boulder, like, oh, I'll never forget that feeling, man. Like, I, I turned around and saw it and just, like, immediately started crying because I was just, like, this is not fair. You just knew you couldn't um, span the move? Yeah, I did. I started to dug under things. 
like a giant platform foot and then you had to reach over the slip to a slipper and i like jumped as hard as i could and i couldn't even touch the hold oh. like hold it you know oh man so i was like wow dude like you know imagine this like <laughs> all this training that i did for like close to a year leading up to this one comp i just got fucked over because of my height oh you know? man like as the sole reason and i don't like blaming stuff on my height but basically until i was like 16 like every single comp that it was just like cool i can't do this boulder because i'm literally too short mm -hmm. like i literally cannot span this move i cannot reach this foothold i cannot reach this next hold mm -hmm. and it happened it happened so many times like it was it was kind of shocking it was like wow dude like really like 10 comps in a row like i'm i'm getting screwed over 10 comps in a row like so it was just this insane amount of like pressure that i was putting on myself to like perform well even though i had like a kind of handicap back then so i, I just i really didn't like that feeling back then but mm -hmm. i just kept coming back and but that was like the quote every single time that happened like the following week or so after said competition I, you know, I'd be like, fuck this, I'm never climbing again, I hate this, this is not fair. Huh. Um, but yeah, then I just, you know, put my shoes back on, head to the gym, and then, <laughs> you know, just train for the rest of the year, then go to a comp and get screwed over again, and then you do the same thing, like me just, you know, pouting and being like, this is not fair, I hate climbing, I hate climbing. <laughs> so. What do you think that was? What made you put your shoes back on and go back to the gym? I just wanted to, like, stick it to everyone, man. I just I hmm. wanted to, like... I just wanted to win, even though I was, like, getting screwed over. I just thought it was going to be, like, so cool if I could just be like, yeah, like, doesn't matter. Like, you guys are climbing on boulders that are four grades easier because you're tall, and I'm still beating you guys. <laughs> but unfortunately, that never happened. <laughs> That's not how competitions work. <laughs> well... <laughs> that sort of mindset made you get real, real strong. So, well, that's that's what made me the climber I am today. Like, yeah, I screwed over that much because I just trained like so much harder to like make up for everything. Hmm. Like my coach Tyson, um, when I started to grow a bit when I was like twelve or thirteen, he would measure my ape index and measure my like toe to hand, like when I'd stand on the ground and raise my hand to see how high I could reach. Mm -hmm. And then he'd start setting boulders and routes where the holds were exactly like one or two inches out of my reach oh wow yeah that shit sucked he did it for like three years oh man it was not fun yeah so i I'd, I'd be like you know, i was climbing like 514 when i was 12 and i'd be in the gym unable to climb a 12b because i couldn't reach the holds and so i just learned how to climb really short or really tall as a short climber and right now like Right now, I'm about 5'7 ish uh, with like a minus one ape index. So, definitely not blessed in the height category, but mm -hmm. I've learned to climb like I'm six feet tall. And that's, I can kind of like directly attribute that to Tyson. That's amazing. So it, it sucked so much at the time. Like, I, I hated it so much. I was like, this is just so not fair. Like, <laughs> I literally can't climb V4 and I can't climb like 5'12, dude. Like, really? But he knew that that was what I needed. Like, I needed to just get slapped around like that a ton in the gym. I was going to be super uncomfortable until I figured out how to make it feel comfortable. Until I learned how to climb. So what was that? Was that just, like, the mental side of it? Was it learning how to stand taller and use, like, the very tips of your fingers? Or was it, like, using how to come up with creative beta to get around long moves? Like, what, what was it that yeah, you took kinda, away from that? Kind of everything. Okay. I, mainly, I just learned how to 
become taller on the wall. Okay. Like, even now, like, I feel like, you know, I learned, like, really good, like, cold tension, so I'd, like, keep my hips, like, super close to the wall, and that'd give me, like, an extra couple inches of reach. Huh. Like, I learned how to, like, smear really well. I got really good at, like, jumping for stuff and holding swings. Hmm. Just because, like, you know, when you're a midget, like, you gotta, you gotta jump way more than you want. You gotta jump off of, like, really bad body positions and stuff that doesn't feel like it's gonna work. Mm-hmm. But sometimes if you're short, there's no other way, so you just have to kind of grin and bear it. So that's what I did for years. I just learned how to climb like I was six feet tall, even though I was not even five feet tall at the time. <laughs> man, um, super interesting. Yeah. I mean, it was miserable, man. It sucked. Don't get me wrong. It was not not a fun training time in my life, but <laughs> hey, it worked. So. so it seems like there's been kind of these seasons where you've been a lot more into outdoor climbing and a lot more focused on competition climbing and kind of like transitioning back and forth. Have you always been mostly motivated by that kind of like I'm going to stick it to everybody sort of sort of thing or have you been are you equally motivated by roots outside like what what has been has your motivation and kind of like what drives you has that changed or evolved at all Uh it's changed a bit like I used to be super into comps so for the past 2 years I was doing the World Cup circuit like I competed US Nationals get a spot in the US team that you know, travel to Europe and Asia all summer, um, or all spring and summer, I guess, and even into the fall. So I did that for a couple of years. And it was like, it was really fun, but I kind of just realized that it wasn't what was making me like the happiest. Like I was having like a great time, like, you know, training with everyone, like getting ready for comp stuff, doing comp simulations, like traveling the world with like a great group of people. Like that's that, like, I'll always love like that part, but like the actual competition itself, like I, don't like the fact how i make one mistake and i slip and all of a sudden it feels like i've like just wasted like half a year Hmm. and even though that's not the reality of it and that's what competitions are like you know people do mess up like you're not gonna have a good run every single run i just don't really like that (laughs) yeah so i'd rather just do what i am doing now where i just climb outside a ton because i can you know see my training like pay off Mm-hmm. every time i like do a boulder i'm like yes i like made that happen like i put in the work to make that happen and i haven't really had that feeling in comps so kind of my motivation now is just because i love rock climbing i want to just keep rock climbing that's awesome and before man. before my motivation was i wanted to get like as good as possible so i could like win comps and stuff okay and now i just now that just doesn't matter to me a single bit interesting tell me about what about the um the olympics uh, that was, I was really stoked on the Olympics. It was like the flip of a switch. Um, so I'll start with like bouldering year last year. Cause that was, uh, the bouldering world cups was kind of like the beginning of like Olympic prospects. But so, like I said, you know, traveling the world, great group of people, super fun. Like, I was in really good shape last year for bouldering, especially like comp stuff. But like every single bouldering world cup I did, like I shit you not every single one I did. I just, luck of the draw, got placed at the very end for running orders. And that makes a huge deal, man. Like, if you're stuck in isolation with, like, no phone, like, you know, nothing going on, just sitting on the ground, like, you can't even start warming up because it's way too early. Like, there's times I was stuck in isolation for, like, nine or ten hours. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and it's just by, by the time you, like, go climb, like, you know, 70 other people have like greased up the holds you're about to grab 
Oh, like man. you'll be climbing like I was climbing like just the hottest part of the day in China. Like <laughs> you know, and I was like, dude, you can't tell me this shit isn't rigged. Like this is just I'm not climbing on the same boulders that other people are. Right. And you oh, know, it sounds I was so like, frustrating. Yeah, no, it was it was ridiculous. It was just like cool. Like I'm just getting unlucky every single time. And by like it's not my fault that like my start number goes near the end. Yeah. That see randomizes that start list. And if you get at a at a bouldering world cup, you get points. Sorry, like if you get what? Points. Top thirty. Top 30. at a world cup okay. for bouldering, you get ranking points. And then when they compile the start list for like the next world cup, everybody who has points goes before the people who don't. So if you like win a world cup, you get a hundred points. You have a hundred points to your name. You'll likely go near the very beginning in qualifiers. So you'll get fresh holds. Like you'll usually get the like coolest part of the day to climb. So you sweat less, you know, all mm. that sort of stuff. And then here I was, you know, in the best shape of my life, just unlucky going second to last, like six comps in a row. Oh man. And I was just like, wow, dude, I randomly got placed near the end. I think one time I was so pissed off that I went near the end again. I like, I calculated percentage that like the, that I got that unlucky that many times. And it was like a one chance that I got there must have been like air next to my like that because it was every single comp i went at the end you you cut out for and one second in the middle of that there was like a one in what chance there was like a one in a million chance yeah i, I figured out the percentage of me oh you actually calculated it out and yeah dude i was pissed man. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> a dude, literal like, one in a million chance that <laughs> And I had, like, no good comp placements. Like, I got so close to points every single time. Like, I'd always get 16th in my group or 17th in my group. Mm -hmm. So just so close to points. But then it just wouldn't, like, I wouldn't get any, you know. And then I'd be like, I'd be like, damn. And then, like, I'd be like, maybe next time I'll go early. Mm -hmm. Then, like, the next running order would come out. I'd be like, fuck, man, I'm in ISO for nine hours again. Are you kidding me? Dude. Yeah, so that shit, I was just... That's like the behind the scenes you don't really see about the World Cups. Like, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, these are how we're like, these are how our Americans place. Like, these are the top climbers, blah blah blah. But you don't see the like, oh, well, this guy had the best star number and went first out and had like freshies, you know, just brand new holds. This guy went sixtieth out. You know, there's nobody left in the venue for cheering except the coaches. Oh like, man, he's been he's climbing at like four p.m. when it's like literally 30 degrees warmer in the venue than it was for the beginning competitors <laughs> wow yeah so so that happened last year and that was really not that fun <laughs> um and then finally at the last world cup in Vail, i got points and then i was like all right cool and then rope season started actually did pretty well in ropes this year i was like training really hard uh like i made a few mistakes in some of the comps like i didn't have a comp that i was like really really psyched on until uh world championships and so world championships was the first olympic qualifier and okay. so i had points i had points for bouldering so i finally went early i went like 20th or something uh-huh. and then i like i made it into semifinals in like fifth or sixth place in my group and i was like wow dude are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> dude this entire year had i just not gone like hell late <laughs> like wow because i just like convinced myself that i like didn't belong there i was like oh wow not a good climber just because it was like the only thing i was seeing was like my placement you sure. know it was just like fuck i got like 
35th or 40th again like wow, damn man yeah you know so i was just like i was just like damn i just really am not at the caliber and even though like you know in training it's like i keep up with everyone just fine hmm. like if not like passing like a lot of the guys that are up there but hmm. like fucking hell man it was just so ridiculous and then so i made semifinals for bouldering i was like okay like let's go this is nice like comps off to a good start then I like finished up in eighth place in bouldering, you know, just like the best placement I'd ever gotten. And it was at the most stacked competition that's ever been held. This is the first Olympic qualifier. Okay. So that felt, that felt really good to like walk away with that placement. Nice. That's uh, awesome. And then rope started in Sweetland and I did really well in ropes. I got like 16th or something. It was like one of the best placements I've ever gotten in like a world event. Nice. Um, and it was at like world championships too at the Olympic qualifiers. So I was super psyched. I was like, Oh my God, like this is, this comp is actually good. Like I'm finally having a comp that's going well, <laughs> like everything's working out. And then, uh, so I like qualified for like the semifinals and the top. So that was the top 20 overall. And I want to say there was like maybe 120 athletes or something like that. Okay. 120 guys, hundred, maybe like 150 guys. Wow. Yeah, I think that was right. Like 150 guys were there. What was your placement in that? Eighth in bouldering and then uh like 16th, 16th. in lead. Nice, man. Then, thanks. Yeah, so that was that was super fun. And then so I made like the next round, like kind of the first actual step for Olympic qualification. Okay. And that was on my birthday, man. I was so hyped. I was just like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this could be like the best day of my life." Uh-huh. <laughs> and then uh I like started out with speed and I had like, I set like a PR. I was just like, no fucking way, dude, this day is turning out amazing. And then I just lost it all after that. I like, I was like sure my bouldering was going to go really well. Cause I was like, that was like probably my best discipline. Uh-huh. And then I just like fell grabbing the finish hold. Like every oh no. Oh no. So bad. And like after the first one, it like got in my head and then I like, you know, did it on the second one and on the third. Huh? Yeah, so that that was not that fun. And then lead came around. And, uh, you know, the thing about combined competitions is because of the way the math works, how they just multiply your scores across, mm-hmm. uh, the comp's not over until it's over. Like, it's just every everything can flip depending on, like, the placement of, like, one single person. Wow, okay. So I really, like, I was pretty bummed after bouldering. I was like, fuck this, dude, I'm done. Like, my day's ruined. Like, I'm not making it. And then, well, it turns out I didn't make it, but I had, <laughs> after the lead, dude, I, like, started on the lead wall, and, like, I just kind of forgot everything about earlier in the day, and I was just climbing, and I had, like, really good time climbing on that route, and I started getting, like, really high on the route, and I was like, oh, okay, like, game's changed again, mm-hmm. like, maybe this will work out, and then near the top, uh, yeah, I still think about this today, I still think about this move, um, I stopped and tried to clip this bolt, and... I fumbled it and then I was like, Oh shit. And then, so I started shaking and I wasn't on like good holds. It was on these two like jibs on a volume. And I tried to clip again and I fumbled it again. Then up until that point, I was feeling like really good. And I only had moves left on the route. Like I was really close to the top. And then I finally got it clipped after wasting like 30 seconds of energy. Then I jumped for this next hold, which is a pocket and I missed it. And I, I, like, felt the hold, though. It was, like, good. Uh-huh. And had I just not clipped and just jumped straight for the pocket, I, like, I would have grabbed it and I would have clipped and then I would have fucking done that route. Oh. Like, in the Olympics right now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> oh man, it's crazy. There's just every single factor. Like, oh my god, just competitions are so complex. Like I mean, you yeah, can't especially combine competitions. Yeah, and you're not allowed to skip bolts, right? So you would have had to no. know. You would have had to anticipate, like, okay, I'll be able to clip low from the pocket if I just go for it. Yeah, exactly. And then man. as soon as I like grabbed the pocket, I just knew I fucked up. Oh like, god, damn it, <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs> so i was like i was like in second place or something after that because i like got a lot higher than everyone okay but uh then all the strong people came out after <laughs> me. and then i just went from like second to third to fourth to fifth and i stayed in for kind of a while and then uh just because my bouldering rank was so bad like i got like an like 18th or something in bouldering just it, it was really really bad um because that was that number was so big like every single time my lead rank went up a number like my score just fucking went got so much bigger and you want to have like the lowest score possible because they multiply Uh like your bouldering speed and uh lead rank okay if you have like a first second and third place you'll have a score of six because like one times two times three okay so like i had like a 12th place from like or 11th place from like speed then like you know 18th place and then i like had i was in when like my lead was like fourth and then all of a sudden when it changed to like fifth place or something like that like i don't remember the actual numbers but like one switch and i dropped like five places and i was like cool my comp's over got like, it done. oh wow yeah because you add 30 points or or no you add you yeah add 12 times oh my gosh yeah crazy yeah so it was that was pretty pretty rough that that really sucked it, it didn't help that it was like on my birthday too oh. so that sucked i just wanted like one thing in the world i just wanted to make it yeah so bad. where do we stand with it now are there is there any chance for you with, no, with that? no, okay. no. It's, done. no it's, it's completely done okay um yeah so that actually actually sucked um i imagine that has have that has fed into your excitement about this bouldering season though yeah definitely <laughs> i imagine but, with all the luck and not know you know all the bad luck and kind of wondering yeah. how you stack up and doubting that this must be really validating to climb all these v15s and climb your first v16 yeah it's super nice because like before i like didn't really have many hard boulders like before uh november i had done like one single v14 i think and you know four months later that number's up to like 14 or 15 that is amazing man so that was super nice because like at all the comps it was just like you know it was like i wouldn't say like you know 35th or something at a world cup is bad but it definitely was not the result i was looking for yeah and that kind of just fed into me thinking like damn am i like i like i thought i was better than this like fuck dude and then I start climbing outside and i'm like okay yeah no i was just hella unlucky all that <laughs> tell me about uh tell me about pegasus Oh, Pegasus, that was crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you recently did the first ascent of a V15 in Joe's called yeah. Pegasus, and it looked amazing. Yeah, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, so I've been trying that thing for kind of a while, actually. Like, I started trying it in October, and I started, like, just working this out. It's kind of weird because there's, like, I guess there's now, like, three starts on the boulder. There's, like, Pagan Poetry, which is, like, a pretty stout V11. Okay. starts near the top. Add, like two more moves down lower all of a sudden that stout 11 turns into like pretty solid v13 okay go down four more moves and then that's like the pegasus start got it um so the beginning moves are like i don't know probably v13 or something like that there's one like really really fucked up move with like a really hard heel hook 
into like this underkling and i had tried pegasus probably like seven sessions between like october and like early or like i don't even i like tried it a bit um but i wasn't super serious on it because i had like done that move one time ever oh wow so i kept coming back to it kept being like damn yep still really really hard like (laughs) i didn't even send the 13 until like a day before i sent pegasus oh wow Um, yeah so it, it was like pretty real and uh i kind of just went there with my friend brennan my friend sam and uh I don't know if it was conditions or I just had like a freak day, but like that crux move that I said I was never able to do, I just like did it every single time I tried it. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of weird. Like, why the fuck am I able to do this right now? Like, huh. how can I do this move yesterday? Like, what? Huh. And, but it wasn't even like, like it just didn't even feel like hard that day. It was crazy. So I like kind of just pulled on. I had no intention of like trying to send it. I still thought I was like months away from like doing that thing. Oh my gosh. And then, yeah, I just, like, kind of pulled off the ground. Like, I fell, like, near the top on one of the last hard moves, and I was like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> I could do this thing right now. So I rested for, like, 30 minutes, fanned off all the holds, rushed all the holds, <laughs> and just got on and kind of just did it. And I was like, oh, that was really freak. Like, why'd that happen today? <laughs> that's bouldering, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Does that one stand out to you as one of the more significant ones? Yeah, that's definitely, like behind sleepwalker that's probably like my second like the climb i'm most psyched on besides sleepwalker that's awesome how would you rank the climb as far as give it a star rating is it what's the quality of the the line uh the rock's not the best but disregard that everything else about it's really cool okay it's not like it's bad rock either it's just you know joe's has some really really cool features and this one is not one of the most aesthetically pleasing features got it Um, but it's still like a very I think impressive line. It's really cool. Nice. It's regressive. Like it starts off with like the hardest move, and then it just gets the moves get easier and easier at the top. But you just get more and more pumped near the top. Uh huh. So there's a couple moves on some underclings, which are uh, pretty fun when you're pumped. <laughs> That's awesome. There's a is there a video of you doing that? Yeah, there's one on my uh, Instagram. It's okay. not a great video. It's like a side GoPro angle, but okay. um, I have some pictures stuff on there too awesome i'll find it's around like i'll yeah, link to those in the like show notes. late january i think cool any other significant or favorite ascents most meaningful ascents to you that stand out and this could be from your recent bouldering rampage or this could be anything uh probably assassin mm-hmm. man i like i'll never forget that climb that was crazy <laughs> Like, so listeners I might just, know I talk a lot about Smith Rock on this podcast so far, but, of course. Yeah, but, but yeah. So Drew, you did the first ascent of Assassin 14D in the Agrigoli. What was that? Is that 2016, 2017? Yeah, 2016. Okay. Yeah, I was 16 years old. But dude, I've been trying that thing for like I've been trying all the parts for like two years probably. Yeah. It's a link up of like three. Basically, there's three like really bouldery like 14As, 14Bs in the cave. And uh, this basically just does the crux of every single one. Like the first one, the crux is at the bottom, so it does that. Then it just continues straight up, does a heinous like V11 mono crux on this next 14A, and then traverses a little bit, and then does the last crux on this classic 14A called White Wedding. And so it's kind of like obvious that this was just like the king line of like the wall. Like mm-hmm. it just did basically the most heinous parts of like every single route on the wall. <laughs> and, um, I like was just kind of like floating with the idea of trying it because I was like, oh well, you know, 
might as well like i've done all the moves on like all the individual pieces like might as well go for it and then turns out it was like really really hard <laughs> so you know i was i was like doing a ton of weekend trips like with my dad and stuff when i was like 14 15 16 and it was just I like 80 times before i said and i got through the first cracks like three times ever oh wow yeah it was really hard for me back then being like as short as i was mm-hmm. um that's but, re- repeat offender crux is like v12 yeah the repeat offender crux oh my god it's, it's just so grim if you're short yeah um, i've heard that but yeah i managed to figure out how to do all the moves on that so i was like okay why well, like i guess i could do it then in january i managed to like get through the first crux and repeat offender for the first time then i like got through the uh the villain crux like the mono crux and i was like oh shit <laughs> i'm sending right now uh-huh. then i got in the white wedding and then i fucking broke a foothold oh no way yeah that that was not that fun i i think that's probably the worst wobbler i've ever had in my life (laughs) thank god the cliff was empty (laughs) you would have heard me all the way from like misery ridge (laughs) dude it was bad Uh, Um, and then i just knew it was like so lucky that i got through the repeat offender crux i just knew i like wasn't gonna get through it again for a while i was just like fuck dude that was like my try you know Mm. i lost it and then you know, I kept trying it the rest of that trip. I came down, like, two more times in January and, like, one time early February. Just still no luck. Couldn't do it. Uh, and then, yeah, early February, I guess I went there for, like, a week. Uh, my friend Margo was there with me. And first day I was there, I, like, tried it a couple times. Like, you know, kept falling on the cracks. And I was, you know, just getting pissed. I was like, fuck it, dude. Like, I hate this climb. Like, I'm never getting there again. Margo's just like, just one more try. Just give it one more try. <laughs> Sure enough, like, I made it and just somehow, like, pulled it out of my ass and, like, just did the climb that try. Like, I've never, <laughs> I think I remember that one so much because I've never been that close to falling. Wow. For as long as I was, but still managing to pull it off. Like, huh. dude, I was, I was, like, pumped at, like, the fifth or sixth bolt, like, in the middle of the repeat offender crux. Uh-huh. And there's, like, you know, you got, like, another V11 crux after the initial V12 crux, and you got, like, another V10 crux at the top. And then you have to keep it together on this like 12D or 13A to the top. And just fucking every single move, I was just so close to falling. And oh I just gosh. managed to stick the neck sold by the skin of my teeth and just rest and shake just enough to do like one more move. Like that was the only thing I was thinking of the entire time. I'm like, just get one more move. Like, you know, and then I'd get to like a decent hold and shake and I'd be like, okay, just do like two more moves. You know, you can do two more moves. Then I'd like get a couple more moves and be like, okay, okay, chill a little bit. And then just like one more move. <laughs> so I was kind of repeating that to myself the entire way, just while like. Just lying so to yourself cool. over and over. Yeah, and like just get one more move, one more move. Like, you know, don't rush it, just one more move. Huh. And then fucking, so I, I managed, like, I just got like past the last crux and I was like, uh oh. I'm going to do this thing, but I'm so pumped right now. <laughs> like, I, like, there was a chance I would, like, could it, like, a very solid chance I like would have blown the very top. Oh my god! Like gosh. you know that top crack. Like I that's do. how pumped I was. Yeah, yeah. There's that. T- there's that. Like one final move. Like literally going to the jug to clip the anchor. Yeah, like that part. I like. I was there for like just like multiple minutes, just like looking at the jug at the chains, just being like, oh my god, like I'm actually gonna kill myself if I fall here. <laughs> like, yeah. But managed to just keep it together, and then I sent that go. It was just the most surreal. Like I'm getting goosebumps on my arm just thinking about it now. Like oh, wow. I've never. Dude, I've never had a climb like that in huh. my life, and I I don't know if I ever will again. Like that was like a once in like five years type of climb. 
just as far as like how close it was to your absolute limit at the time uh-huh and just like being that close to my limit but just still managing to like do everything right hmm. like absolutely everything right on that climb and just managing to try hard enough to just pull it off and being like like I, it was just man i was so tired like three minutes into climbing i think i was on the wall for like 30 minutes or wow. something like that <laughs> and i was like about to fall at like the two or three minute mark <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So I'll never forget that climb. Basically, that, that's amazing. That was wild. One thing I think about with you, and I'd love to ask this regarding the assassin, but you've you've done so much at Smith, especially from a really young age. I wonder. It, it seems like it must be kind of weird to to have a lot of these climbs that were really significant, and you really had to work for them, and they were hard, and you were proud of them at the time, and to know that right now you could go back and probably warm up on a lot of them and just totally crush them is that is that weird a little bit like it's just the progression though yeah you know like those climbs made me like the climber i am today like climbing at smith and just figuring out like how to you know grab just the worst holds on the planet and <laughs> on the worst feet on the planet uh-huh. on like you know a technical like 12c or something where you're just like cool this would be like 13d everywhere else <laughs> like all that stuff like i mean i I can, I haven't been to Smith for like a year now and I can still just like visualize like every single step. I can still see every single route, like Mm -hmm. clearly in my mind's eye. Like, you know, I've spent so much time at that place. Like it's, it's just like home, you know, but it's, I don't know. It doesn't really weird me out that like now those routes, I guess would be like easy for me. Like they're still like the same routes they were when I was younger. Just now I have like a different tool set to work with Cool. than I did when I was 12. That's awesome. So I was talking to Alan Watts, and you know he really would love to see five fifteen get established at Smith. Yeah, there's definitely a few. That one on the backside that uh, I finished bolting, cleaned up. The one that Adam Andre was trying. Yeah, the all project. Yeah, he called that thing fourteen D. I just don't think there's any way it's fourteen D. Like, yeah, I mean he didn't do it. He gave it a solid effort. Solid effort over a couple of days. So I think that thing for sure would be a fifteen A. Um, like I've put like, I probably put like 10 days into that thing and I've only done the crux move one time ever. Oh my gosh. So it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I think that thing's 15A for sure. Uh, I think that other project that I was getting really close on above, uh, heresy, uh-huh. the forbidden fruit crotch, I think that definitely could be 15A, but I don't know. Climbing that hard at Smith is like the rock itself doesn't really lend itself to like 515 as well like you could get lucky and find like one or two but it's not the same as like you know say use in places like that where like the climbs are like her the walls are perfectly sculpted for 515 mm-hmm. like in terms of like steepness and hold size and like hold distance like at smith just every like the holds are just so small there it's like you can't really get like you kind of see what i'm saying like it's just the rock itself isn't really like good for like you know next level 15 a or b or c sure absolutely it's just it's just going to be like grabbing heinous dime edges on like a 30 degree overhang for you know 80 feet mm-hmm. that's and just not the same type of awe inspiring as like you know looking at realization where do those two projects stack up on your personal radar are they on your list or are you kind of just like setting them aside for now uh i'm definitely setting them aside for now okay i'll go back in the future but um right now i'm kind of just psyched on like trying to do as many boulders as i can because that's what definitely what i'm best in right now mm-hmm. um it's like i have some like goals for kind of like the future like just numbers that i like want to hit 
I think like V17 is totally possible. Um, so <laughs> there's awesome. like stuff like that that I want to like try and do first now while I can. Um, okay. And then in the future, like I'm definitely gonna switch gears and start rope climbing. Cool Maybe man. Maybe throw some like big wall action in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe some ice climbing or mountaineering. I don't know. Really? Are Maybe you interested in that? Like that? Maybe. I mean, I feel like it's important to be. Um, just it's not something I'm interested in like right now like it's not it's not for me right this second but you sure. know five years from now like who knows maybe I'll be super psyched on like hard rope climbing or you know it's hard to say like I didn't think I was going to be doing what I'm doing right now I thought I'd be still just training for comps but you know we'll just see where climbing takes me yeah so what is your plan with that I mean you've made it really clear that you're excited about bouldering and that's what you want to focus on for now what is your kind of you know take coronavirus out of the picture what do you see yourself kind of being psyched on and what do you find yourself or see yourself moving towards in the immediate future with your climbing uh i mean taking corona out of the picture i'm moving to colorado end of june for school okay i'm gonna colorado school of mines like i start late august so hopefully corona's cleared up by then because there's a whole lot of alpine boulders that i want to try <laughs> i was gonna yeah so that's a big that must be a big part of yeah. your decision okay yeah i've never done like alpine bouldering like all the stuff in colorado just looks incredible you know just i don't know something about just hiking like miles on miles on miles up to like twelve thousand feet and then just trying like pristine granite blocks just seems so much fun to me Uh that's definitely kind of what i'm most psyched on right now but i guess with corona it's impossible to tell like how the future is going to unfold okay you know in february like early february like fucking who even knew this shit was going to come to the u.s Mm -hmm. everybody was just like oh yeah going about their lives as normal even early march everybody's going about their lives as normal then it was like over the course of a week everything just shut so it was that was kind of like a big eye-opener just like oh that's how fast like things can kind of like change in your life like Hmm. you know i was like felt like just super solid in like my plan and all of a sudden it was just like everything like you know just changed it's not that it's like a bad thing like you know definitely everybody's got to like you know flatten the curve because there are people out there who will die if they catch this and it's not fair to like prioritize oneself over that but yeah nice you know, this thing just one day it'd be like magic and it just disappear <laughs> what do you uh, what are you excited about for school do you have something in mind that you want to study yeah I'm planning on going into chemical engineering with a specialty in biology in the future. Like, I don't really know how it's going to play out, but I would like to have, like, a part-time job or, like, maybe even full-time. I don't know. But something in, like, medicine development that just has always interested me from a child. So I think it'd be, like, my ideal situation would be, like, you know, working, like, three days a week or something part-time than just climbing the rest of the time or maybe i could do something like you know i'd work for like two weeks and then i take two weeks off or work for two weeks take two weeks off like i haven't really figured out like what i'm gonna do for that because i haven't crossed that bridge yet but mm-hmm. i have no intention to like give up climbing ever like i'm the day i can't ever climb again is like i don't want to live anymore after that <laughs> you know, like climbing is just climbing is just part of who i am huh. um but I also think there's other things I can do to give back to the world that aren't climbing related. And I've, yeah, I've always been interested in medicine, so hmm. I might as well pursue that and see where it takes me. Very cool. 
What about, I mean, is that, how important is that to you even if, uh, you know, let's say you could become a fully supported professional full-time climber, um, would it still be important to you to have a career outside of that? Yeah, kind of like as a fail-safe, you know, like say I got in a car accident tomorrow and I broke my back, you know, yeah, there's a 99.99999% chance it's not going to happen, but it's just, you know, things can be taken away from you so fast. And I don't want to have to just rely on my climbing for the rest of my life. Because even now, like, you know, I've been on the road for like five, six months, just only climbing outside now. And part of me, like, really misses, like, the school aspect of, like, learning. Like, I, I actually can't wait to, like, start college in the oh, fall. That's awesome, like, man. I think it, it's going to be, like, really fun. So it'll definitely be, like, a bit of a change, but... I still, like, I know, like, everybody I know who climbs hard, like, I'm not going to, like, give up climbing for school, you know? I'm not mm-hmm. going to give up school for climbing either, so I'll just figure out a way to make both of them work. <laughs> cool. So. Where are you most excited to go first when quarantine ends? Dude, I've wanted to go to Rocklands forever. Okay. That place just looks amazing. But, unfortunately, I think that might be more like 2021. Than <laughs> so. Gotcha. Yeah, there's so many areas that I've wanted to go to. Even some areas that I was planning on going to now. Like, I was going to go to Tahoe for a bit this year, but, you know, obviously it's kind of off the table now. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so it's interesting to hear that you're going to be moving to Colorado. When I was out in Bishop with you, I was asking you about Salt Lake and how it's been living in Salt Lake City. And I remember, and I'm paraphrasing here, so feel free to correct me, but I think you said... I think you called Salt Lake City the best scene for hard climbing in America. Like more like best scene for like hard training. For hard right training. Now. Okay. Yeah. Like I, that's really so, interesting to me. What what makes it so great for that? Uh, the gyms that are here are really good. The National Training Center is here as well. So the setters there, like the U.S. team coaches, and because the training center is here, and because USA Climbing is located here. Like so many of the like good competition climbers. Oh, so there's like you know, forty people here who climb like hella hard who are always down the train, and it's really hard to find that big of a crew of psyched people like anywhere else. Hmm. So it's just a kind of a combination of like you know, the gyms are good, but like gyms don't make people strong. It's people make people strong. Hmm. Like you could have like the worst gym in the world and still find a way to like use it well if you're psyched enough but it does help that the gyms here are like really nice and there's just so many people to train with 24 7 basically Hmm. how important is that or how helpful is that kind of a scene and that kind of a vibe for you with training for outdoor climbing versus training for comps uh it's awesome like training is training like everybody's still down to like go work out just somebody might be doing a different thing than what i'm doing but it's still you know we're all motivated like we're all psyched so being around that energy that's mm-hmm. definitely makes like the biggest difference like it's it's pretty hard to train like the same motivation by yourself as training with other people got you this might be <laughs> this is probably a, an especially tough question given life circumstances right now but it might be all the more important i would love to ask what is something that you have been especially grateful for lately kind of just like you know I've, while in quarantine like yeah, there's been days when I've been like alone and you know, there's there's so many things I've been grateful for, like you know, having like a good friend group. Like, you know, thankful for like my health because this is COVID's like a pretty nasty bug. 
there's just so many things to be like thankful for like right now without even realizing it like the fact that i can go buy groceries whenever i need because hmm. i have saved up enough to like you know get through this without realizing it hmm. um like thankful for that like i'm thankful that my parents and family back in seattle managed to isolate themselves before it got way too bad um, like i'm thankful that pretty much everybody i know is like healthy everybody i like care about is healthy enough to like beat this thing you know there's there's i could go on for days like you know being stuck in quarantine just having like kind of everything you really care about just taken away it really makes you like think about kind of bigger things in life like hmm. you know climbing means everything to me but you know there's other people out there who've got laid off their job and now they don't have money you know being stuck alone in an apartment in new york or something like that for weeks on end like i'm just grateful that things played out for me like kind of the way they did but obviously i wish that things would have played out for everyone differently mm -hmm. like cool so, man thanks for sharing that yeah there's yeah i just cannot wait for everybody to get over this thing like <laughs> i don't i don't know how much longer it's gonna take but you know some reports are saying like it, social distancing measures could be needed until like early 2021 mm. so just hope that doesn't come to that like i hope that i don't start college on zoom meetings oh, man. that'd be yeah. <laughs> that would not be the greatest way to start but let's say things do clear up here pretty soon where's the first place that you're gonna go climbing uh probably colorado okay um, would be nice to start the alpine season at least get like a little bit of time in before i have to start school nice that's like the only thing I can realistically think of right now. Everything yeah. else is just like, you know, kind of out of the question. Gotcha. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, I mean, I'm on social media. Is Instagram the main thing? Yeah, Instagram's like my biggest platform for sure. <laughs> I just thought of something funny. So before, <laughs> uh, before this, we had uh, been mostly communicating on Messenger. Yeah. <laughs> what what happened with your Facebook Messenger? <laughs> Dude, I like lost my password. Like, yeah, Stephen was like talking to me like in February about doing the podcast, and I was like super psyched, and then it was just radio silence for a while, and then it was just like it's like oh damn, I guess we're not doing it. And then, yeah, I get like a DM, and he's like, "Yo, bro, like, have you not seen any of my messages?" And I was like, "What are you talking about, man? Like, I haven't gotten anything. Like, I'm logged out. Like, I can't see anything." So. Uh, yeah not messenger not messenger <laughs> yeah cool well yeah not I will... tiktok <laughs> not vine not any of those other apps just instagram and facebook got it <laughs> cool well i will be sure to follow up with you and get your training plan for people and add that to the show notes amazing awesome got anything else cool. anything else to uh, share with aspiring climbers that are psyched I mean, just, like, the basic cliche stuff that actually, like, is kind of important. Like, you know, you can always try harder. Like, stuff like that. Like, I know it is cliche, and, like, you probably heard it a million times, but, it, like, it's still true. Like, you know, you can always work out harder. You can always try harder. Like, if you want something bad enough, I think you'll do it, you know? Hmm. Like, I want I want to keep sending hard climbs, so I'm going to do what it takes to keep sending hard climbs, you know? It's just nothing profound just stuff like that i guess so now that the competitions are kind of off the table for you are you just like thinking about individual boulders when you're in the gym going to the death <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. i have like i have like 30 different note sheets like on my iphone just like boulders i want to do in oregon <laughs> uh -huh. boulders i want to do in colorado boulders <laughs> i got to do in salt lake city you know just stuff like that 
<laughs> so <laughs> definitely been planning planning out the rest of my life pretty much you just stare at those between sets on the rings yeah pretty much <laughs> just like visualizing the boulder i'm like i'm gonna do that one so awesome well thanks so much drew i really appreciate your time i'll uh i'll let you get back to binging the rest of game of thrones <laughs> yeah man better go finish season six tonight <laughs> awesome <laughs> stay safe stay healthy of course all right, right. man I'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay, take care. So one last thing I'd love to ask about your training. There have been a few times over the years where I've been, I was living in Bend and you would come down either to climb at Smith or for a competition or whatever it was. And I never really, I don't think a single time I really saw you in the gym, but I would come in like the next day and just hear this whisper of like, oh yeah, Drew campused that. He campused that V10. He campused that thing over there. You, you basically would just come in and just campus everything in the gym, all the hardest problems. Uh, and I found that super interesting and I kind of was asking you about it in Bishop and, and was pretty interested in how you approach that. So yeah, tell me about how you think about campusing boulders and, and maybe when you do that with your training. Uh, I think, yeah, campusing boulders is super beneficial. Um, I never campus board, do anything like that. Like I can't do 159 because I've like never really tried, you know, like that sort of like very specific type of strength on a campus board doesn't really apply that well to climbing but campusing boulders like one it's pretty fun two it's like you know an easy way to train like i don't know it's you can just go like campus everything if you want it's slightly different and it's way more applicable to climbing because you're doing like similar moves just helps develop like upper body strength some more so when you do end up putting your feet back on the wall like you everything just feels like that much easier Hmm. but i don't really have like a set like philosophy behind it or like proof that it works i just campus boulders for like (laughs) 30 minutes at the end of each session because it's like fun and i like it it makes me feel like i'm getting stronger so every session uh usually every session yeah interesting for like 30 minutes Okay. I was kind of wondering if it was just something you did when you came to the Ben Rockton because nothing was hard enough for you. No, no, I do it all the time. Okay. And I was kind of asking you, I think we were talking about like what that would look like for me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm kind of maxed out around V10. So you're like, yeah, you know, just like try to go in there and campus every V4. And I was like, oh yeah, that yeah. math actually is like when you're campusing yeah, V10, like it. V4 is actually kind of spot on for me, which is kind of, kind of mind blowing. Yeah, that, that sounds about right, actually. Like, okay. Drop, drop it like five to six grades. Five to six and, grades. You know, maybe, maybe later, maybe less. Like, I've campus V12 in gym before. I know that blew uh, my mind. He <laughs> said the hardest yeah, you can. It was a was very me. specific one. It was like you can't do it with every single boulder, uh-huh. but more often than not, you can do it. Like, there's a lot of things where, like, you know, at first I don't think it's like possible to campus like it just doesn't feel like it, it'd go huh. but if you try it enough um you'll find like subtle beta it's like pretty fun because it's similar to like climbing with your feet but it just brings like an entire other element 
movement, like using your hips to swing, like pulling really hard. Like you just don't get to like use your feet at all. You know? So you have to be really creative with the ways that you'll campus. Hmm. Um, but you know, just starting like, yeah, say you climb V10, like starting and trying to do like every V4 then campus like every v5 and then starting to try like some of the fixes that might like be campusable like i think that's like a pretty good breakdown gotcha cool so yeah. it's interesting to hear you say that you don't think using the actual campus board is that relevant or has that much carryover to climbing uh it seems to me like maybe the campus board is maybe more of a raw finger strength and finger power and pulling yeah. power sort of tool whereas what you're doing it makes sense that that would have a lot more of the similar like body tension yeah. and, and kind of movement and stuff like that. Um, and it's not that I think that campus boarding isn't beneficial. I've never noticed any benefit personally for okay. myself from it. Um, like I feel like my fingers have been strong enough that like campus boarding like won't really like help the finger aspect side of it. And if I'm going to do like just regular pulling on a campus board, like I might as well just do it on a boulder because it like fits better. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, yeah, I think in my opinion, boulders is better than campus boarding. So. Gotcha. Do you think you have noticed any sort of effect on your finger strength doing what you're doing uh, from the campusing, or is it more just like body power and tension and stuff? I think it's kind of just everything. Okay. Like my fingers do feel like stronger when I do campus. Um, like everything just feels stronger when I campus. So. Do you ever do it outside? Know. Uh, every now and then if I get inspired enough, but it's not really a habit that I like to, like, do a lot. Gotcha. Cool. Right mainly on. just, like, bets, like, coffee bets and stuff like that. Like, Say that again. My friend will be, like, it's mainly just my, like, coffee bets. Like, my friend will be, like, oh, well, did you make this move? And I'll be, like, oh, well, you're on, man. <laughs> so, like that. <laughs> what kind of steaks are we talking? Oh, uh, just, like, a, a coffee or a donut or something, <laughs> you know? One that I wouldn't feel bad losing, but it also would be nice to win. <laughs> Got it. Does that make you do those kind of bets? Make you climb harder? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know me. I love Starbucks. I'll yeah. Do anything I can to get a Starbucks drink. What about your favorite? Do you have a favorite donut? Oh man, probably I probably gotta go like Maple Bar. Maple Although Bar. Although Krispy Kreme makes these like pretzel donuts. Holy shit, those are good. I could eat like probably 12 of those in a row. <laughs> like an infinite amount. Nice. Send food though. Send <laughs> food. And Mike and Ike. <laughs> Donuts and Mike and Ike's. <laughs> right on. Solid. Thanks, man. I think I can transition out of that from there. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Just hit me up if you need anything. Cool. Thanks so much, Drew. Yeah, for sure.